Heavenly Father, as we come to this place in which we are to hear your word, we pray for reception on our part, our receptive minds as well as receptive hearts, so that you would speak to us exactly the words that we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. In our series on the signs of uh, life in John In the Gospel of John, we're in chapter 14, and our text this morning begins in verse 18, where Jesus says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will disclose myself to him. It's the hard-knock life for us. It's the hard-knock life for us. Instead of treated, we get tricked. Instead of kisses, we get kicked. It's the hard-knock life. Got no folks to speak of. It's the hard-knock row we hoe. Cotton blankets instead of wool. Empty bellies instead of full. It's the hard-knock life. Don't it feel like the wind is always howling? Don't it seem like there's never any light? Once a day, don't you want to throw the talon? It's easier than putting up a fight. No one's there when your dreams at night get creepy. No one cares if you grow or if you shrink. No one dries when your eyes get red and weepy. From the crying, you would think this place would shrink. Empty belly life, rotten smelly life, full of sorrow life, no tomorrow life. Santa Claus we never see. Santa Claus, what's that? Who's he? No one cares for you a smidge when you're in an orphanage. It's the hard knock life. Now, it's possible that the closest most of us have ever gotten to knowing what it means to be an orphan is through the eyes of the most famous orphan of our time, little orphan Annie. It's the Hard Knock Life is a song from the musical adaptation of the renowned Harold Gray comic strip, which was first penned in the 1920s and published in the New York Daily News. It, of course, spawned a number of films and in 1977 was developed into a Broadway play and musical. And, of course, there were film adaptations of the Broadway musical in which we got to know songs like It's a Hard Knock Life and Tomorrow. But even Annie, in spite of its portrayal of the dismal life in an orphanage and the precarious existence in the Warbucks household, Annie's life is, as an orphan is somewhat glamorized in the musical. Uh, in, even it's the hard knock life is a rollicking blast, a delightfully choreographed ensemble piece. It makes you feel like you could actually have great fun being destitute and without parents. Somehow Annie is able to find hope in the midst of her decrepit circumstances. The sun will come out. Tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just think about tomorrow. 
clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow till there's none. When I'm stuck in a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, I don't know how that part goes. So. <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. So you got to hang on till tomorrow, come what may. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you. Tomorrow, you're always a day away. But in reality, for real orphans, it's hard to imagine that kind of stoic optimism. What does it really mean to be an orphan? Well, first of all, it means that you're vulnerable. You're susceptible to oppression and to exploitation, even slavery. With, with no parent or no family, there is little in the way of boundaries and a moral compass, no, no sense of when someone is, is looking out for your interests instead of someone really just simply trying to use you. What it means to be an orphan is often to be impoverished, to lack provisions, uh, children of single parents today are significantly more likely to end up in, in poverty than children in intact families with the married father and mother. But even more impoverished would be those who have neither mother nor father. To be an orphan means to have problems with identity, a lack of sense of who we are. Without parents, orphans have little sense of a personal identity. One testimony comes from Peter Kamal, who spent 19 years in Kenyan orphanages, who reported, quote, we rarely got called by our names. We were so many, a lot of times it was we we. We we is you in Swahili. So hey you. And here is a place where you are supposed to call home and you're not even called by your name. When you're an orphan, you also have problems with belonging, a sense of a lack of connection with family. Not only is, is there disconnection with parents, but with whole families. Peter Kamau's parents died. He and his five siblings were separated and institutionalized, and they had forever lost a sense of familial relationships. Those who are, often, are orphans often lack purpose. It's difficult to gain a sense of meaning if you don't know who you are and to whom you belong. Being an orphan means to have issues with hope. It's a hopeless existence. Annie notwithstanding, there is no prospect usually for real parentage, real family. Those kinds of things don't seem to exist. It's a demoralizing existence. It's actually the way unbelievers are described by Paul, by the way, in Ephesians chapter 2. When he says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Separated from Christ. No Messiah, no leader, no bridegroom. No sense of belonging. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. No sense of purpose. Strangers to the covenants of promise. No hope no sense of anticipation and expectation of a future. Why? Because they are without God in the world. Unbelievers are the real orphans, whether they know it or not. Now in the 14th chapter of John, these disciples are about to become spiritual orphans, if not real orphans. That's why in verse 18 Jesus says, 
I will not leave you as orphans. Their great fear was that Jesus telling them that he was leaving them. They had devoted three years of their lives with this Jesus. They had left everything to follow him. Their, their livelihoods were left behind. Fishermen left their boats and their nets. Tax collectors left their desks. Businessmen left their businesses behind. They had wrapped themselves up entirely in the person of Jesus, and that's why Peter once said in Mark chapter 10, Behold, we've left everything and followed you. And so what would they, what would they do now? There would maybe be economic hardship. Perhaps they could go back to their occupations, but would they even be trusted by the people that they used to serve in those occupations? They were, after all, those former followers of this character named Jesus who got himself crucified. Would you trust people like that who had gotten themselves deceived into this strange sect? But most importantly, they would lack identity. They had so completely identified themselves with Jesus that they couldn't even imagine themselves as anything else other than his followers. And since they would lose Jesus, they would lose the family. The camaraderie that they enjoyed with, with each other would, would disappear without Jesus to hold them together. No longer would they have a sense of belonging. And then what about purpose? Jesus had infused their lives with purpose, purpose unlike any that they had ever known, purpose that would carry them through any challenge or difficulty. But now, without Jesus, why would they even get out of bed in the morning? Then there is the hopelessness of their existence apart from Jesus. What would they have to look forward to? Indeed, what would they have to even anticipate once Jesus leaves them? indeed abandons them. So their great fear was to be abandoned by the one they loved, the one on whom they had relied, the one whom they had trusted. And now they would be left alone. And so it is to these people, these disciples, that Jesus comes and says to them, I will not leave you as orphans. So how does Jesus assuage their fears? How does Jesus encourage these disciples who are on the verge of abandonment? Well, he does it in a number of ways in this passage. First of all, he promises his presence. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He will not be the parent who abandons his children. He will come to them. And what does Jesus mean by that? Well, first of all, he promises that he will be with them after the resurrection. And he, in fact, does exactly that. He meets with these disciples, and, and indeed not just the twelve, but the broader group of disciples in Judea and in Galilee. And Paul says that he appeared to more than 500 of the disciples in the days following the resurrection before the ascension. But that's actually probably not what Jesus primarily means by that. Remember the context of this passage. He has just promised that he would send another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, Jesus says. The sending of the Holy Spirit, first on the day of Pentecost, and then for every believer throughout history, is a glorious promise that he would not abandon them, that he would not leave them as orphans. And by the way, not every earthly parent can make that promise. 
Parents never know when they might be taken from their children, even if they commit themselves to never leave them. But Jesus can and does make that promise. He will be with them forever. Why? Because he's Jesus. He's the incarnate Son of God. And that's why he sent his Holy Spirit. In addition to promising his presence, he also promises a family. Verse 19 says, After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Jesus here makes a distinction between his own family and the world. Not every human being belongs to the family of God. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God, that anyone belongs to his family. And so to prove that, following the resurrection, Jesus would appear only to his disciples, not to anyone else. Before Jesus' death, he was seen by anyone and everyone in Judea and Galilee. Indeed, in, in all of Palestine, should anyone, Jew or Roman or Arab, whoever happened to be in the neighborhood where Jesus was visiting, they all could and did see him. But after the resurrection, no one who was not a believer saw Jesus. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Why you? Why the disciples? Because they are his family. They belong to him, and he belongs to them. And by Jesus only appearing to his disciples following the resurrection, it was great assurance to them that Jesus is who he said he is that he is God incarnate, that he is the Son of God, and that as the Son of God, he would bring with him siblings, adopting into his family those who would believe in him. They would not be orphans. They would have a family. That's why in Mark chapter 10 we read, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms, farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Listen, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. There will be no orphanage for these disciples. They would have a family. It would be God's family, Jesus' family. In addition to that, Jesus then promises life. He says in verse 19, because I live, you also will live. One of the great fears of, the, of children is the death of their parents. And in dying, that the parents would leave them without parents and leave them as, as orphans. But Jesus assures them that he lives. He lives because he will be raised, even from the dead. Even as it might appear in a few days that he would die in the crucifixion, he would be raised after three days, just as the Scripture said. And so there is no possibility that death will separate the disciples from Jesus. Because Jesus always lives. And of course, Jesus has already assured them. He said in John chapter 11, that chapter when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus has the power of life, which he demonstrated by la raising Lazarus. In the first chapter of this gospel, we read, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Jesus has the power of life within himself and he will always live for them. 
and they will also live as a result. Are you afraid that Jesus will somehow fail to fulfill that promise? Dear friend, Jesus has demonstrated beyond the shadow of a doubt that he lives. He is raised from the dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father right at this very moment, and he always lives, the Scripture tells us, to make intercession for us, his children. We will never be orphans because the Lord Jesus lives. And he came that we might have life and have, a, have it abundantly, Jesus says. In addition to that, he promises these disciples communion. Verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Not only will you have a parent, but you will have a deep and rich fellowship with your parent. Your parent will not be aloof and distant, as so many religions have their concept of God. This Jesus will be in the Father, and we will be in Jesus, and Jesus will be in us. We will know not just the name of our parent, Jesus. We will know not just the details of our parent, Jesus. We will know Jesus. We will know him personally. We will know him intimately, and we will know the Father as well. Just think of it. The communion that Jesus shares with his Father, we will also share. And it will continue, continue to confirm to us that we are no orphans. And Jesus then also promises purpose. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. You know, we will no longer be orphans stuck in an orphanage in which we would be forced to work our fingers to the bone under the domination of an overbearing house mother in which we are slaves to whatever the harsh drill sergeant demands. No, we will instead be thrilled to do the commands of our Savior. We will take delight in carrying out the will of the Lord Jesus, who said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that gives us purpose. It gives us a responsibility. It gives us great privilege to know that in fulfilling the commandments of Christ, we are extending his kingdom of love and righteousness. And while the ordinary orphan has a hard time figuring out why, or why he or she exists and what purpose there is to pursue, that's not the case with us. Jesus will not leave us as orphans because he gives us purpose. And in fulfilling his commands, we are demonstrating our love for him. It's a purpose driven by love, far different than anything the world can concoct, far different than what the enemy of our souls would hope to exact from his orphan slaves. Orphans lack purpose. We have no such lack. Our purpose is clear. And on top of all of that, Jesus also promises love in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. Orphans lack any sense of love from their parents, who have often abandoned them, or from their caregivers, for that matter, who are simply getting a paycheck. But Jesus will not leave us as orphans because he promises his love for us. And he promises the love of his Father for us. He has already demonstrated his love for us in dying for us. Paul says, he, did not, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? 
John says in his first epistle, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Paul says in Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus will not leave us as orphans, but will love us in a way that no orphanage ever could. And then finally, Jesus promises knowledge of himself. Verse 21 again, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and listen, and will disclose myself to him. He he won't be a standoffish parent. He won't be aloof and distant. But he will bear his soul to us. He will open his heart to us. And as a result, we will grow in our knowledge of him, gaining a sense of the mind of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ, he says. Our Jesus will be no stranger to us. He will not be a hired hand, an orphanage director who's just garnering a paycheck. Jesus will be our parent who opens himself up to us and reveals himself to us. He will do it through his word. He will do it by his spirit. He will do it as we obey him. But he will disclose himself to us. And so, dear friends, the life of an orphan is the hard-knock life, but we are no orphan. Even though Jesus left this earth physically, he did not leave us. He left us his spirit, and he promises his presence. Are you afraid of being without Jesus? If you trust in him, how could you ever be without Jesus? You are no orphan. Are Are you afraid of not having a family? You have a family. Look around you at the people that love Jesus as well. Are you afraid of of death? You have life eternal because of Jesus. He rose from the dead to demonstrate his love for you and the life that he gives to you. Are you afraid of not being able to have communion with the triune God? Jesus promises that you are no longer orphans that you have a communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as they have communion with each other. Are you afraid that you have no purpose? You are no orphan without purpose. You have a purpose. Jesus calls you to join him in the great commission in extending the kingdom of Christ all over this globe. Are you afraid that you are not loved by your Father? How could you imagine such a thing with what Jesus has already done for you? You are no orphan. You are loved by Jesus Christ. And are you afraid of not really knowing who your Savior is? He promises the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of him. He will, in fact, disclose himself to you. He will share his very life and being with you. Are you afraid of being an orphan? No more. No more orphan. We belong to Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we come before you with gratitude in our hearts, recognizing what you have done for us. We thank you for these encouraging words of Jesus given to disciples who were on the very edge of depression because of the thought of losing Jesus. We pray, Father, that we would never be tempted to think that way, but that we would always be reminded 
of the love and communion and presence that we have with our Savior, who has given us great hope and great purpose. It's in this person's name, Jesus Christ alone, that we pray. Amen.